Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. I wouldn't want it to be too perfect every night. It is live after all. Working at Lincoln Center, it sounds very huge and elevated. And that's what it feels like, like once you're working there. Because rent is about much more than just friendship, love, and musical theater. It was about something that shook musical theater. People are becoming more and more comfortable I mean, we do it all. I mean, you know, we don't we don't back away from anything. Welcome back to Broadway Bullet, Volume 317 for July 9th, 2009. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and this is our season finale. Uh, we're going to be taking a bit of a hiatus, and our next new episode will be September 10th. But we got a lot of great stuff this episode to tide you over. We got live performances, music, and some great interviews, and a brand new segment. Uh, we're going to hear from Insecurity the Musical with a live performance in... Uh, the house, so to speak. We've also got the Midtown International Theatre Festival celebrating their 10th anniversary, talking about all their offerings. We've got Lush and Lively, a new segment from Dan Fortune. Uh, he's going to play surprising covers of musical classics. We've got the producers with the Tenement Street Project. We've also got the producers of Birdhouse that's playing off-off-Broadway. And we're going to hear a song from the newly released cast album of Pinkalicious. So we got lots of stuff. I want to say, too, again, thanks for everybody who's emailed on uh, the response for the project that I'm going to be tackling the uh, later part of this summer and early fall, recording for the BMI Musical Theater Workshop, a compilation CD of their best up-and-coming composers paired with Broadway stars. Uh, I was going to announce the winners this episode, but things have been a bit crazy this uh, past couple weeks. Uh, Got a lot of emails, haven't had a chance to sort out and draw from the hat. So if you want to continue to email in, just email info at broadwaybullet.com and uh, let me know how long you've been listening to Broadway Bullet and what's your favorite part about the show. And I will announce five winners who will receive a signed copy from as many people as I can get on it when it comes out uh, early, early next year. We're looking at January, February release date. Thought we are going to make it for the fall, but uh, it looks smarter to do it in January or February. So um, with that all said, it's time to jump right into our jam-packed program. On the boards. Insecurity, the recession-proof musical, is a new show that is opening with the Midtown International Theater Festival and produced by the Oberon Theater Ensemble. We've had Oberon on a few times in the past. Um, I believe this is... Uh, their first musical, if or, or one of their first. I know they don't do a lot actually, of Actually, musicals. this is their, their very first <laughs> musical on their 51st show, for 51st production. <laughs> All right. So, and we've got, who just spoke, Mickey Zetz, the writer and composer of Insecurity, as well as two of the actor-singers from the show, Paula Galloway and Carlos Fernandez. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. How are you? Good. You want to all introduce yourselves really quick so they can connect your voice with your name? Well, I'm the girl. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> this is Paula Galloway. Hi. It's Mickey Zetz. And I'm Carlos Fernandez. Collectively known as the Icky, Icky House, House Club. Club. <laughs> well, first things first, uh, I know you guys are going to perform some songs from the show, but before we get to that, um, what? tell us a little bit about what is Insecurity, the musical. It's, um, it's about this group of uh, ragtag recession victims that have gotten themselves jobs as security guards. 
and then there's a threat that they may lose the job, so they pretty much will stop at nothing scheming-wise to keep what they have. That sounds like everyday life. Yes. It's it kind, of, it kind of ripped from the headlines there you know, a little bit. You know. It's just set to music, that's all. Yeah. yeah. So, Mickey, what was your inspiration behind uh, writing this show? You did the book Music and Lyrics, correct? Yeah. Um, when I, I'm from South Florida, and before I moved to New York, uh, I had a band down there, and my day job was a security guard. And I worked at a condominium in Boca Raton, and, um, you know, I... I moved to New York and left that long behind me and then one day you know I started missing my old life cuz life got so complicated with you know you know politics and uh, the recession and the economy that I started thinking fondly of those days when life was really simple and uh, so it was kind of like going home taking a vacation back to a long time ago where when I was happy being a security guard which is crazy wow it's insane yeah, it's, That's it's weird, pretty man. insane yeah well, along those routes, I guess, what would be, uh, for uh, Carlos and Paula, what, what are the most uh, odd day jobs you've ever pulled in your pursuing your acting career? Oh, God. I worked at a factory for one day, um, and it was one of those, uh, you know, put together a booklet, and you had to walk around the table grabbing a page from each side and put it together. And I was like, well, why don't I just pass this along? And they were like, no ingenuity. Go away. And I was like, okay, I'm not coming back. It's just weird. <laughs> Okay. Um, I guess for me, I've had pretty mundane jobs for the most part, uh, but one of them was working in an office um, where we were handling um, like health insurance and, and health products for, uh, I, I was in the animal health department. And naturally, naturally, I'm thinking, okay, you know, this shouldn't be a problem. You know, they've got little uh, vitamins and pills and things for, like, puppies and kittens and people's pets and all this kind of stuff. It, it was for larger animals. Um, <laughs> it was for basically for uh, cattle. <laughs> Lots of things with uh, involving cattle and livestock. Were and you shoving pills down cows' mouths? No, no, I, wasn't, I was not shoving pills down I merely pushed the paperwork through to okay. make sure those cows got the pills they needed. Well, we need and those cows. Cattle yeah, and it's true. <laughs> but I gotta, I gotta say, I think the funniest thing about that one was it was the first time I ever saw a magazine with the word beef on the cover, and it wasn't ironic. Wow. Yeah. yeah I think you probably have a couple of issues. <laughs> <laughs> I sure do, yeah. Most likely. Well, before we talk a little bit more, uh, the three of you are going to perform a number here from the song. Do you want to set up this first song you're going to perform? Uh, yeah, this is a little medley of two songs we shoved together. Um, one is called I Used to Have Fun, But Now I Have You. <laughs> and the other one is called Homeless, which is what they don't want to be. <laughs> Any setup needed with these? or? Um, performed by the Icky House Club. <laughs> <laughs> Besides that kind of setup. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. they're talking about the scenes, but it's two different scenes. When he, when he says setup, I think he's offering me a cocktail. So that's oh, where my brain is. So. <laughs> you guys ready to perform? What, yes. 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 That's Sounds awesome. great. Okay. All right. I used to ride upon the highest way Never missed a single panty ray I'm here to say back in the day It's true, yeah, I used to have fun Not too long ago when I was young I used to have fun But now I have you Always first to spin the disco queen off 
nothing last to leave the party scene I never dreamt it all would end so soon Never dated those who might complain When all the farmheads would know my name Once all my stunts for months made all then swoon Yeah, I used to have fun Not too long ago when I was young I used to have fun But now I have used to have fun But now I have used to have fun But now I have you When asked why I work my job When I clearly hate my job I tell them all that I have to live what is my alternative? Carlos? If I could be an artist painting paintings on the pavement Then all the streets would be sistine If I could be an architect of text the next constructed Then all Italian books would lean But I don't want to be out on the street Nothing to eat Jobless Then all the thinking rats would flee. Then all the thinking rats would flee. If I could fill a science philosophy like Socrates did, then philosophically I'd be. But I don't wanna be out on the street, nothing to eat, jobless, homeless, so wanna feed newspaper sheets, jobless. So, Mickey, how long has the show been in development here for you? Um, you know, when I first started working with Oberon, it was in 2007, and we did The Merry Wives of Windsor. Um, I was introduced to Brad Fryman, uh, the artistic director from Emelina Pedigo, from uh, the show on, Goes On Productions, and we got along so well. And there were certain members of the company that I clicked with, and I went off and I said, I'm going to write a show for Oberon, for my friends to be in, because we had such a great time working together. Um, and So, so all, all nepotism. It's definitely. 100% <laughs> Absolutely. and completely incestual. And, Absolutely. Yeah. It's I the only way we work. I do, yes, exactly. And <laughs> so, yes, yes. And, um, yeah, I started writing it about, uh, gosh, about a year ago. And it pretty much came together very quickly. So what has the process been like working with Oberon? How, how, how much have they wanted to stick their hands into the pot, so to speak? 
uh, what are you talking about? That just sounds obscene. You talking about money? No, creatively, how much have they have they, have they been a, a good guideline? How much have they wanted to kind of meddle, well, so to speak? As, how, as, as Oberon goes, there's no meddling. It's, it's, it's yeah. The script cr- is the script. They've been pretty much hands off. They're just like that's yeah. your show. Well, I mean, I've, I've had I've had discussions with um, Brad, who's the artistic director, who you know we've gone back and forth and jammed on it. It's sort of like being we're kind of more like rock and roll guys than we are. You know, theater people. We you know we jam off of each other. You know, creatively and in, like that. You know. Oh, the, you, you and, yeah, you yeah. and Brad. Yeah, back and I forth. See. Yeah, that's that's just the way our, our relationships always run. I was a little worried because you know I'm a big old theater queen. I'm just like, wait, well, rock and roll. That's, I, well, I that's, know that's, of this. that's you, honey. <laughs> that's well, we talking are, to me. So it was kind of insulting to both. Oh, yeah. So. Just I, did, well, I didn't say theater dorks, did I? No. <laughs> Close enough. Well, you yeah. couldn't because we've seen your DVD collection. Okay, we know let's, what let's talk about something else. I will out you right here and now, man. I'll do it. No. <laughs> you want to sing the next song here from the show? Yes, it's yeah. a love ballad. It's called Sudden Death. <laughs> you guys ready to harmonize again? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hello. Always. Hello. Hello. No, oh, that that's doesn't work. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. Sorry. It's distracting to me The way you look tonight It's distracting to me the way you look tonight And then in your arms Sudden death of my charms And then like a fool I would draw Love is cruel And distracting to your arms Sudden the way death you look of my charms It's distracting So uh, how did Insecurity, the recession-proof musical, come to be associated with the Midtown International Theatre Festival? Well, I'd done um, a show in 2005 called Apathy, the Gen X musical, and it was there that I, um, you know, met Emelina, who is now uh, actually taking that show uh, for a commercial run. She's got it in development, Um, so hopefully that will be happening sometime in the near future. Um, But I just enjoyed the Midtown International Theater Festival and working with John Chatterton and Emelina, and it was just it was such a great time that I always, you know, wanted to come back to that festival and do something again with them. So you've got Apathy, Insecurity, is your next musical Impotence? No, <laughs> no it's going to be called it's going to be called Irony. <laughs> and the subtitle I can't say on the air. Oh, dear. You can on our program. Oh, you can? Okay, yeah. it's, it's Irony or, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> 
I was just like, please don't ruin our nah. reputation before we have I already, one. I already called them theater dorks, okay? I think they're already... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have a lot of angry letters from people. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> Screwed the pooch. So, and you can email all your hate mail, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, when does the show open and close here? July 14th. 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 July 14th is our first performance uh, in Insecurity, um, and August 1st is our final performance. I think we're closing the festival? Yeah, Are I think we? Yeah. the last one. Then, and then we and also... where can people go to find out all the, the, the crazy festival dates and times okay, in, the, in well, the middle Okay, well, for the festival itself, you need to go to midtownfestival.org. For Insecurity, you can go to there, or you can also go onto the Oberon uh, website. Is that OberonEnsemble.org? Uh, yeah, I think. I don't have it in front of me. So. Oh, hold on, hold on. I got OberonTheater.org on my OberonTheater.org. Uh, that works, too. That's good. And if you want any information about us, because we will be doing other shows besides Insecurity, uh, we, have, uh, we have our own website, the IckyHouseClub.com. We're playing the duplex on August 8th. 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 We're playing the, the duplex August 8th, and that will be our... Cabaret show. That will be our cabaret pr- premiere, the New Blue Review. Yes. So you got to check that out. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> lots of fun, Is it really? Is it going to be crazy? Crazy, but fun. It's going to be crazy, but fun. Crazy. Uh, All right. Well, Mickey Zetz, Paula Galloway, and Carlos Fernandez, otherwise known as the Icky House Club, thanks so much for coming on to talk about Insecurity, the recession-proof musical from July 14th to August 1st. Go to uh, OberonTheater.org or check out is- IckyHouseClub.com. Yes, IckyHouseClub.com. All right. Best of luck with your show. Thank, Thank you. you very much. On the boards. The Midtown International Theater Festival is celebrating its 10th anniversary, presenting uh, its festival madness in summers in New York. It starts July 14th and runs through August 2nd, and there's tons and tons of shows. We've had a couple of them on our show so far, but we're going to talk with artistic uh, one of the artistic directors of the festival, Susan Rankus, who is here to discuss the show, uh, the, the festival. How's it going? Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So tell us, what what is all the craziness with the Midtown International Theater Festival? Oh, well, (laughs) it's very exciting. We're in our 10th anniversary. Um, We started out with only four theaters and 14 shows, and now we're up to eight theaters and this year's 63 shows. Um, We have an award ceremony, a casting event. Uh, Last year, we introduced a commercial division for shows aspiring of moving up to bigger and better theaters. This year, we have nine international shows, and uh, this year, our first ever launch party, which was a huge success. Um, We had a little bit of samplings of all the shows, and it received great um, press response. Um, Also this year, we now have um, our short subjects division, which is featuring a bunch of shows under 60 minutes, and we kind of group them together as packages. Um... Okay. This is this is fun reading <laughs> off of the the prep sheet. Yeah. But in reality, why why are you involved? You've been now involved three yeah. years with the festival. I have been yes, I've been involved in three years, and um, it's. I think these festivals are great for the off off Broadway community. All these artists who. Um, you know, they really want to produce, and they really want to. They have a passion for this art, this the theater, and you know, they don't get paid for it. They're not at that level yet, but you know, they work all day, and they're tired. They don't have a lot of money, but you know, they still get out there, and they get out there, and they do it. And there's a lot to be said for that. And and this theater festival, pre, it's a great vehicle for that. It makes it affordable, and it it helps 
get you publicity. It helps get you um, attention you otherwise probably wouldn't get as being, you know, one of the millions of independent off-off communities. Billions. The billions. You know, there's so many out there. (laughs) You can't keep track of it all, so... So what do you do specifically with the festival? I am the international artistic director, so I'm in charge of curating and building an international presence. We um, Does that mean Canada? <laughs> yes, it includes Canada. <laughs> Canada has a great fringe scene going yeah, I know. on. Yeah, yeah we, we we talked to some people earlier about the fringe scene, and I I, I like made fun of them, and my <laughs> client, my listeners got upset at me, but I was just harassing them. Oh, <laughs> but so Canada. Artists are very sensitive. You should know that. <laughs> so besides Canada, you got any other you know incoming? Yeah, this year people? we have a group from from uh, Hungary coming over. Um, last year we had, and we have some from London, some from Ireland. So it's um, not just Canada. No. Canada doesn't alone make up international no, events. No, no. And our international <laughs> isn't, I mean, you don't even have to be from another country. If you were originally born in another country and you happen to be in America now, or if you're doing a piece, like if your company is American but your piece was written by an international artist, then it's considered international as well. So what are some of the, the pieces that you brought in this year on the international front? Um, well, we do actually have one called uh, La Escena de la Cruz, which is Scenes from the Cross. It's being produced by I Do Theater and Daniel Carlton. And it's, um, it's, about, it's about immigrant children and, and their struggles and how they adapt. Uh, Daniel and I Do Theater, they're very passionate about helping immigrant children belong and feel a sense of identity here. And they're very passionate about it. And it's very, it's beautiful. <laughs> so when you're curating, as you say, with mm-hmm. um, the International Front, how much is just trying to convince people to come? Or how much is sifting through like a lot of applications and trying to, you know, well, get the best stuff in there? Well, I mean... Part of my job really is just, um, my job specifically really is to just get out there and, and meet international um, artists and let them, tell them about the festival, get them Does to apply, Does that mean you go to a lot of, like, glorious Euro trash parties? Oh, yeah. So. I wish. I've been to some interesting <laughs> events, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but, it, I mean, because, I don't know, I'm, I get involved in the festival, I find I also... It's not part of my job, but yeah, I do encourage people come to the festival, and I talk it up wherever I can. Yeah, I'm even producing in the festival this year. What are you, what are you producing? I'm producing the Pizza Man. And what's that one about? Uh-huh. It's a it's a short dark comedy. It's about two kooky women. One is um, an alcoholic and having our like late kooky alcoholism. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's, that's, it's a dark comedy. <laughs> Um, she's uh, 29 on the verge of a late 20s breakdown, and her roommate is uh, she's um, more from a sheltered community, a little uh, not too not the brightest, not the sharpest tool in the shed, if you will. And she uh, has an eating disorder, and um, they, eating disorder is cooking. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, they just had a bad day. They've been crapped on by men, and uh, in walks the cocky pizza man, and 
that's when the fun begins. Wow, chicka, wow, wow. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly the response we're supposed to get. After I agreed to do this, I didn't realize it was a controversial show. I had no idea. I, but apparently it is. And that was the response I had when I first heard it. And, but apparently it's a very controversial show. So I'd like to have a disclaimer. We are in no way trying to say rape is funny. It's a very serious issue. Um, we don't believe the place says that. We don't believe the place says that. The comedy is actually within just the silliness of the characters. And, that's what I'll say about that without ruining the play. <laughs> <laughs> now, with festival, like like a lot of festivals, there's a bit of something for everybody. There's straight plays, yes. musicals, comedies, one-man shows, right? Yes. It's, um, yeah, it's, um, we got everything. We've got commercial, uh, commercial musicals, just silly, just caring about make you laugh. Then we've got... Uh, crazy experimental, I don't know what the heck they're talking about shows. How many space <laughs> musicals are there? How many musicals? How many you? space parody, like science fiction parody musicals? There's far too many of them. <laughs> and I find there's always in every festival one or two. Well, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Last year, I did not see any comedic uh, musicals with space parodies, but um, um, I. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't curate the musicals this year, so I don't know if there are any musical space comedies this year. But, <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, who wouldn't love a space comedy? I mean, uh, what was it? Space Quest? Adventure Quest? That was what was that movie with Tim Allen? Yeah, uh, the, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. That was hilarious. I could see that working as a musical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody's writing it right now. Someone take notes and get the rights. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the other uh, highlight shows of the festival you think so far? Not I'm really looking out. forward to A Night in the Kremlin because I've always been a fan of the Marx Brothers and I, it's, um, it has a little bit to do with uh, with Harpo Marx. And, and I... I, <laughs> I um, I know I wasn't prepared to talk too much about it, but so I don't really know. But I'm, I'm particularly looking forward to that one. Um, what else am I looking forward to? There's I Hate Love, which is a modern gay adaptation of a Shakespeare play. Um, oh, yes. How many adaptations of Shakespeare plays are in the festival? <laughs> I Hate Love is the only one I know of specifically. That's another one. I'll, I'll, I'll get... <laughs> uh, another... Another common theme in... Another common theme. We need a Shakespeare adaptation of a science fiction. That would musical. be a great. That would really be the capper. <laughs> yeah, that would be a great. That would be a great. I think that could be a huge commercial success. Most people who don't go to a lot of festivals in New York are going, huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, science fiction, science fiction musicals seem too many. Shakespeare adaptations. <laughs> <laughs> But a Shakespeare adaptation of a science fiction parody. And a musical. Yeah. <laughs> a one-man musical. A one-man Science man fiction <laughs> parody. I'd go see it. I'd I'm not there. slamming any of these. <laughs> There's always the ones. Like, you know, I, I, you know, Toxic Avenger came out of the same kind of mm -hmm. genre and surprised everybody by being great. 
So Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I mean you never know what comes out of these things. I what's so great about this is I mean, you know, it's we all should be paid for our art. You know, it's valuable, but you know, right now we're not at that level. People so when money isn't involved, you know, you're inspired by something else and you have no restrictions, no rules. You don't have to worry about pissing off any investors or losing money, so you know, anything goes. <laughs> uh, you never know what's going to come out of these shows. There's been some some crazy stuff. So, yeah. Very unique, too. Probably one-of-a-kind experience you might not ever see again. So, for the festival, are there, for, for listeners who, like, want to take in, like, a bunch of shows, is there any sort of, like, a package deal where they can... Yes, there is. I hope I get this right because I didn't write this down. But there are package deals. I think you can buy them in packages of five... 10 and either 15 or 20. And I think if you do the math, I think. Math? Uh, math. We're artsy even, people. I know. Math. <laughs> great, great. So if I get this wrong, you won't hold it against me. I went to school for musical theater, but I think it, the math comes out to $11 per show. That's like 90% off. <laughs> I know, right? It's, uh, for the price of one Broadway show, you can see, I think, like maybe five of these shows. So it's a pretty good deal. Actually, half off of when you go to Tix. Yeah. If you go to Tix and get the half off deal for that same price, you could probably see five of these shows. <laughs> there we go. So where can people go to get more information about all the shows playing in the festival and dig through and see what piques their interest? Yes, please do. Um, you can go to www.midtownfestival.org www.midtownfestival.org and definitely check out these shows. Art is very important. It's important for our souls. It um, helps keep you creative and and learning new things. <laughs> and again, the festival is uh, July 14th through August 2nd. Absolutely, yes. Uh, how many like total performances of all the shows are there in that range? Do you know? like Different um, shows have different number. I would say the average would be five to six performances each. And, and how many shows? So... Um, this year we have like 63 shows. So you've got like 400 performances in the span of like... That was some quick math. Six, twelve. Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, that's not exact. Close but... to 400. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I See, was a wow. math nerd. Were you a math? I'm like lame now compared to what I used to be. I used to do like physics in my head and beat oh the people with the calculators. And I was See, like some sort of crazy freak. But now I'm like a hundred times. I was like, four. wow, you just you just whipped that out. I was impressed. And that's only like because I'm close. Like so I feel like a moron that I'm not exact. Um, so uh, again, they can go to the. MidtownFestival.org. Yes. It's the Midtown International Theater Festival, the 10th anniversary. And there's anniversary. information on all these shows, even the ones I talked about. If you click on, in the left-hand column, there's like a list of things you can click on. If you click on calendar or shows, it'll give you a list of all our shows, a description, everybody's website. Can they browse by like category, like comedy, drama, musical, um, kind of thing? Shakespeare adaptation? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, this year, I don't think they did that on our website this year, but I knew, do you know they've done that in the previous years? Um, so I don't know if they, it's, I don't know, or maybe I just didn't see where they Probably because of those sensitive artists. <laughs> don't classify me as a comedy. Don't pigeonhole me as a musical. <laughs> yeah, I do know they do have, I think for their brochure, they are marketing them on their actually printed brochure. They will be marketing them in groups by by different categories, but um, I think it's more of a theme than it is whether it's musical or straight play. That's because they feel safe that the artists aren't reading. Probably. And <laughs> I think there is like a little legend in the bottom of it where it puts, you know, whether it's a play or a musical or a new work or an established work, and you kind of have 
next to the show, I think it, it notates what it is. So, you know, you're not completely in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Suzanne Rankus, Susan Rankus, I'm Suzanne, putting the, <laughs> the trashy euro on it. For the, uh, Susan Rankus, thanks so much for stopping by to tell us all about the 10th anniversary, and hopefully uh, our listeners will get down and check out some of the shows. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Dan Fortune. I'm doing a segment on Broadway Bullet. Thanks, guys, so much for having me. I, uh, I'm a publicist and a producer, and I also DJ uh, what I do I call Lush and Lively, which is kind of a collection I find of kind of rare and obscure theater songs and pop songs, but not really things done by the original artist. I try to find you know, jazz versions of show tunes and disco versions of pop songs and just kind of play around with it a little bit more and find some fun things. I do a, a monthly DJ gig at New World Stages at the Time at New York Lounge, the next one being July 31st. It's from 9 to midnight. You can find out more information at lushandlively.net. And my email, in case you want to write to me, is dan at lushandlively.net. Uh, for our first segment, we have a My Fair Lady double play. I have two really fun, interesting versions of songs recorded in the 60s from the 1957 show, which was a huge hit at the time. And several revivals. Uh, Petula Clark is going to be doing our first one. She is uh, still around and doing a lot of great things. She's touring. I saw her in New Jersey last year. She's still an amazing voice. She toured with Sunset Boulevard in the States, and she did Blood Brothers in London and New York. Her biggest hit was Downtown, and people kind of think of her as a one-hit wonder because of that, but she had tremendous success. She was really big in France. She toured there for a long time. She's recorded for decades and decades, and I met her. She was very, very sweet, and a friend of mine was the company manager for one of her shows and said she was just the sweetest, most humble, wonderful person. Her version of I Could Have Danced All Night is uh, from 1968 from an album called the, Gra- the Other Man's Grass is Always Greener, produced by Sonny Burke, who did lots of Sinatra albums as well. The song is available on a few compilations. I have it from the full album reissue, which was reissued in 2000, in London, but it's no longer available. But if you search, you can find it. Here's I Could Have Danced All Night from Tula Clark. I could have danced all night mm, All night And I still have begged i 
For the second part of our My Fair Lady double play, we have a really fun arrangement of On the Street Where You Live, which is by the Quincy Jones Big Band on an album called Big Band Bossa Nova from 1962. There are, which is very funny, three different albums released in 1962 called Big Band Bossa Nova. But this is definitely my favorite. The funny thing about this album is the first track is Soul, it's called Soul Bossa Nova, which if you've heard it, if you, even if you don't know it, you've definitely heard it because it is the Austin Powers theme song. But um, here is a funky jazz Latin version of On the Street Where You Live, the Quincy Jones Big Band, 1962. There you have it, the My Fair Lady double play from the 60s, Quincy Jones and Petula Clark. Thanks for being with us. Uh, I'm Dan Fortune, who brings you Lush and Lively on Broadway Bullet and at the Time Out in New York Lounge at New World Stages. The next Lush and Lively evening is July 31st at 9 p.m. to midnight. More information is at lushandlively.net. And until next time, stay Lush and Lively. On the Boards. The Birdhouse is opening July 10th, and it features puppetry, projections, and actors all intermingling to create a unique production and uh, a new style of trying to approach the off-Broadway world, uh, the off-off-Broadway world. <laughs> and it's uh, been done by the KNF Co., which is uh, – hopefully I get all these names right. The last one's a, a, a catcher. <laughs> Catherine Heberling. Hello. <laughs> Kelly Hayden. Yep. And Sipora Kaplan. <laughs> 
Close. Close. No cigar. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourselves, introduce yourselves briefly so people can connect the name with your voice? Uh, sure. I'm Catherine Heberling, one of the co-producers. I am Kelly Hayden, the other co-producer. <laughs> I am Sipora Kaplan, the third co-producer. And uh, in this in uh, this particular case, functioning as production manager on this show. And they are three brunettes with glasses. We which are. Which, too. I, which I understand you thought about briefly for a name. Yes, and then we <laughs> thought a little silly, I guess. I still think it would be cute. We had um, we had a tagline. We wanted to make our graphic like a little a little black frame glass thing, glasses, and then our tagline would be playing in the back of the house. So it worked on many <laughs> levels of sort of irony, but that's gone nowhere. Well, to get started off, first tell us a little bit about Birdhouse, the show you got opening up. Um, Birdhouse is a multimedia project, as you were saying, and it, it's very exciting because it, um, we were talking about theater as an experience and trying to do work that brings more live magic that you can only do in, in, in the, the theater. Yeah, in the theater, stuff that you can't do um, on film because, frankly, theater can't do it as well. So um, it has puppetry and projections, and it's coming together of different worlds, making the actors um, work together with the different mediums. And I feel like projections is still a pretty young medium in theater, yeah. right? So, um, But that's what, I mean, that's what grabbed our interest about the play is that it being a sensory experience, there was furniture flying through the air, there was rain and birds flying out of characters' mouths. And these are the kinds of things that, that theater can only capture, and um, it's what really brought us to the piece. And I think actually Kelly came up with the tag calling it an impossible new play. We did a workshop of it, a very informal, um, before we got into rehearsals. And um, the director, Heidi Handelsman, uh, sat there with a list of impossibilities, because basically Kate Marks, everything she writes is impossible. It's true. <laughs> I directed a play of hers. It's all impossible. Especially for the indie theater. So you sit there and you're like, how is that bird going to come out of her mouth? <laughs> How are you going to have an axe fly across the stage without killing anyone? So um, we're gonna have, we, have ants, we have ants forming armies. Um, so it's it's basically it's taking a lot of creativity and a lot of um, collaboration among all the different families in the theater world. So, um, and it's but it's really also a coming of age story, a fable um, about trying to find out who you are in your world and how that connects to the bigger world around you and how you. Um, take care of yourself, but also take care of the people in the world and what is more important, becoming a hero or taking care of your loved ones. So it's really kind of a... Gargantuan themes. Yes. <laughs> Everyone come see it. I think it, I, I think it, I can't really speak for Kate Marks because, um, you know, she's a brilliant writer and she has a very, very, you know, imaginative way of looking at things and she doesn't like to define things too readily. So I apologize, Kate, mm -hmm. if this is out of line. Well, it's the producer's <laughs> job is to define things that the writers don't want to define. Um, but I think it, it's played, I think, a reaction. You know, we've been living under a war for quite a long time now. I think it's about eight years now that the Iraq war has been going yeah. on. And it's so far away. And we see about it in the newspapers and we see the images. And But it's just, it's just so far away. There's just this disconnect. And it's almost like a story that's just happening someplace else. And we know there's a reality to it. But, but what... You know, it's just this very confusing relationship we have with the war that's going on. And I think that that's what the play is about in a in a more specific sense. It's about these characters who are trying to 
relate to this war that's happening off in the distance. One person wants to go off to be a hero. Um, and then when she gets there, she finds that it's not the story that she was told. It's not the war story. It's not the hero story. So, um, and there's a lot of disappointment, but within that disappointment, the characters also find a window in another direction. So, it explores so much. <laughs> and you really can't tell from this, and that, I think that's a very accurate explanation, but you also, it's actually a lot of, it's pretty funny for the first three it quarters is, of the play. So, which is really, I mean, even yeah. we're producers, and it was surprising for us. Yeah, we didn't to go to the to reading laughing. and laugh out loud. We actually read it ourselves with Thai food and wine <laughs> and played different characters, and maybe it was just hilarious because we, we had wine. wine. But no, 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 um, it's really good. <laughs> no, but I think that makes it more powerful because you're, you're there and you're enjoying the puppetry and the, all the sense experience, sensory experience, and then all of a sudden the underbelly is pulled out, the bottom is pulled out, and mm-hmm. you're left in a very stark reality. So, yes. That's what about. <laughs> we were talking a little bit before we stepped into the the booth here, and you were saying that you were, had a goal to come together to make Off Off Broadway sexy again. <laughs> <laughs> and besides stripping down to your skivvies in the interview booth, which I greatly appreciate. You're welcome. <laughs> it's making us comfortable. <laughs> you said to have fun. <laughs> how, uh, how, what have your goals been? How, how have you aimed at achieving that? I'll, I'll just start this one off, guys. This is... um. Have you seen us? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, Off-Off-Broadway is so wonderful and difficult at the same time because there are no resources. There, are, I mean, everybody who's talented immediately either gets unionized and moves up and starts doing paying things or things that, you know... Can A lot of people aren't talented, too. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, but those, I mean... On management level, on, you know, tech level, on production level, you know, speaking from my angle, it's the resources that can help you really create great work and really um, explore what you're trying to do more fully are not available to you either because of money or mostly because of money. Um, And we can't afford big houses. We can't afford huge lighting rentals, you know, that kind of thing. So... From a production standpoint, and I know Kat and Kelly will talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about the admin marketing side, but we're trying to sort of bring that down. Go to the big houses and say, we don't have money, but this is a great show. These are great people. Can you do something for us? Can we cut a deal? Can we bring in the color scrollers? You know what I mean? <laughs> Just sort of open open up a little bit and see if they can, you know, where we can get favors and, and whether we can expand sort of the the abilities of off-off-Broadway to be technically great. And, and the concept of management is pretty unheard of. I mean, if there, of true. course, there's a huge... There are the experimental theaters and the theaters that have been around for 30 years, you know, downtown doing it, but there are only so many of them, um, and and they're very... You know, they, they don't really necessarily go outside their circle very often to find new artists once they get their... Thing going so the idea of being able to have managers to help bargain with the houses and the rental houses and help try to find out those resources because essentially everyone and off off Broadway including ourselves that's how we started um, were artists of some sort and you wanted to do a show and so you're like okay 
I'm just going to pull in my friends and I'm going to be the director, the painter, <laughs> the everything. And we're going to build it out of gaff tape. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you're stuck learning these skills and scrambling. And there's great organizations, ones that were a part of the field, that umbrella organizations that help you. But now we're trying to actually establish a real um, management core so that the people like Heidi and Kate that want to bring it to the next level and that have been focusing purely on their art for years, they can do that and not have to worry about trying to get the times in and trying to do it. We'll worry about that for them. That is so, so. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's what we're trying to do. And, I mean, we're at the very beginning um, of our, our journey on that. But we, we've we been doing on our own shows, really. We're uh, pretty anal, I guess, <laughs> and perfectionist. And so we can never, you know, not have a hundred meetings about everything. But um, but, but that's so, what it is. Yeah. Right? And that's, I mean, that's, that's how you get a show done. That's how you get it done right. So now we're trying to extend that out to other people. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's the goal. And that's what we're doing on this project. And we were lucky to have two other um, female artists, Kate and Heidi, that we've known for a while. And we started with them at the same time. We've all like hit the city at the same time. And we've been looking for a chance to work together. So this is the way to all of us to help each other move up. And, and you, ha- you all have a, a background in theater administration, correct? Yes. Yeah. Theater admin in many forms. Um, my background is sort of stage management, which I fell into by way of directing. And we were all doing one night one night scene things and our stage manager broke her ankle and then they all looked at me because I was holding a clipboard and I sort of became, that would do it <laughs> never hold a clipboard anybody um, and I became the uh, I became the stage manager and it sort of snowballed from there and I stayed in stage management in off off Broadway for about two and a half years moved made your fortune and moved yeah. <laughs> clearly <laughs> you know it so well well I mean it, it was coming to that point of go union and start doing bigger projects or, you know, wash out and find what I really wanted to do. And that's what I did. I washed out like the military. But, um, yeah, so we all came from different places. Kat came from, Kat and Kelly came from directing and directing and writing. And um, Oh, yeah, yeah um, I was a, a company manager of a small off-Broadway, the director's company, for four years, four or five years. Um, and, you know, it was a small company, too, so company manager literally meant company management, um, and sometimes it meant general management, and sometimes it meant stage manager. But so She I, holds a lot of clipboards. Uh, yes, too. I hold many. I have several clipboards. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I know a little bit about everything, and I'm lucky to work on some bit, pretty big shows with some very talented people, so it really helped me learn how production should run so and how to bring it down to a smaller level, too. Okay. I went to film school. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you yeah. did some crazy... You were, like, went, in the in the okay. Texas wilderness with... I, I am originally from Arkansas, um, so that <laughs> makes me interesting and not much else. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I, I, I am from the South, and um, and then, you know, I escaped, and <laughs> now I'm in New York, and I went to film school, and I escaped from that. And now I'm looking for a way to escape from theater. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I went to film school, the School of Visual Arts, and I love film. It's great, but... I he said, to learn. the money is in theater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the money is in theater. But, but, you know, but you know what? It's a film. I had to learn the hard way, and a lot of people that go to film school learn the hard way. Is It is a business before it's an art, and I believe that theater is the other way around. I actually do believe that theater is an art before it's a business. Oh, clearly. 
So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So. Which is why, and you know, the things actually might be cheaper to get done if it were the other way around, or at least shifted a little bit more towards people gathering together and realizing the business end of things. Yeah, (laughs) no offense against techies, but you know that lighting people get union lighting people get paid twice as much to work on a Broadway show as they do other like corporate. Really, I did not. I I just learned that. And I I have a feeling the other corporate clients can afford to pay twice as much, and and the theater could use that. You know, that's interesting. Half cut, but. Off on one of my little tirades, but no. Yeah. No, 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 no. Let's start a revolution. Right oh, here. yeah, and let's, let's bring down all the unions. <laughs> that is not in what we're announcing. We, in oh a sense, God. we're so fractured that it gets very easy to take advantage of us. Because yeah. everybody's doing things one project at a time, and they're not out to change the world on their project. So they kind of fall into place, and everybody else around kind of has learned to take advantage of that, I think. I think, yeah, I think off off Broadway. Not everybody, really but there fractured. are certain areas that, you know, I think play advantage of the fact that it's a million little entities, one project at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Off Off Broadway is very fractured, and I think that that's part of the, you know what NYIT and all those people are doing is trying to you know let's let's band together and say we're actually a community and we know each other and we all work together. So let's and try. We all it. do each other favors. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're pulling in a lot of those favors with a lot of the companies that we know. So that's awesome. Thanks, part guys. Of yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I really appreciated when Kirkwood Bromley from the Inverse Theater. I think when he won the Chino Award, he pretty much announced that this is independent theater, not off off Broadway. And we try to use that term where possible. Use the term independent mm-hmm. theater because off off Broadway kind of like. It makes it sound like we're, we're upwardly good. mobile when we're really just trying to, you know, do the best we can within our within our. Meetings. Right. We don't want to leave indie theater, and we want to bring it up. Right. You know? We want to. We want to. We want to bring it up with us. Yeah. Not exactly. eventually leave it. <laughs> All right. So again, uh, Birdhouse is opening on July 10th, and it runs to the 26th. Yes. yes. Tell us uh, more information. How can we find out more about Birdhouse? www.birdhousetheplay.com. Did I see that line now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and without the www, we would have been lost. <laughs> 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 what are HTTP. Colon backslash. Remember those days when every ad had to have the HTTP colon backslash? Oh, it was like last year. At the same time, that was a mouthful. Now, people, we can get rid of the www finally. Birdhousetheplay.com. Thank you. Tickets on sale at theatermania.com. Yes. Buy tickets. Come see it. We're awesome. All right. Well, good luck in your quest to uh, organize the unorganizable. (laughs) And uh, once again, thanks, Catherine Heberling, Kelly Hayden, and Sephora. Sipora? Yeah. Did I get it right this time? Yes, sir. Kaplan, okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Have fun, thanks. On the positive side. Hey, once again, this is Marty Cooper. Once again, I might say, have you missed me? This is Marty Cooper on the positive side. Uh, I've been busy. I've been working and uh, enjoying my work. I got a lot of little things to say about... Uh, a lot of stuff. I said I wouldn't talk about Michael Jackson, but uh, uh, I think it's, I think we're getting a little overkill at this point. I miss him. I thought he was a great guy, a great entertainer. Not the greatest entertainer that ever lived, but great, albeit. Uh, That's all I'll say about Michael Jackson. And uh, I'll say one other thing about uh, the Tony Awards show, which I attended. Uh, I'll say one thing about Neil Patrick Harris. I think he should be 
the host for every award show on television. Uh, I think he was just fantastic. Great personality, great way with words. Don't worry about scheduling anybody else. Just have him do all the award shows, Golden Globes, Emmys, Tonys, Grammys, uh, 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 Oscars, whatever. Uh, I thought he was great. I thought the show was wonderful. It was one of the better uh, Tony Award shows uh, that I've seen. The material, not always great. I don't think we needed that Mamma Mia from the touring cast. Uh, that didn't work for me. But in any case, I enjoyed the show. Well, as we are going on vacation, I might want to talk about a couple of things that are coming uh, in the late summer, early fall. Uh, some exciting things that are happening this year. Uh, of course, we will, be, uh, we will have a lot of, a lot of revivals, uh, some of them very high profile. Uh, one of them being Bye Bye Birdie at the uh, new Henry Miller Theater. Um, the facade was a, uh, uh, was a landmark. Uh, the rest is a brand new theater behind that facade. And um, I think Bye Bye Birdie should be somewhat of a hit. I can't see that with that cast failing. Um, we're going to have uh, a little, little night music. Uh, I'm not sure who they're casting, but it seems to be from England. Uh, they did it last this past year at the Chocolate Factory in England. Uh, uh, last show to make it here from that theater uh, was Sunday in the Park, and that was fairly successful a couple of years ago. We will have Finian's Rainbow, uh, which I saw at City Center. I hope it works on Broadway. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure about it, but uh, let's see what happens. As far as some of the new musicals coming in, uh, we have some very high-profile, marquee-value stuff. Uh, what I mean by marquee-value, if you put certain titles on a marquee, people are going to come no matter what. Uh, I was just arguing with Michael about uh, Spider-Man. Uh, he thinks it will have a hard time. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think with people like Julie Taymor involved, uh, she's going to make the most of the, f the f flying uh, uh, web uh, producing guy. Uh, and with people like Alan Cumming and Evan Rachel Wood, who's made it big in the movies, at least to this point, I think it should be a hit. I'm not sure what kind of score Bono has written, whether it'll be a, a U2 sounding score or, or he will actually have a hand at doing a Broadway sounding musical. Uh, not sure. But I feel that that's going to be a major success. Of course, I remember some years back uh, a musical called Titanic opening on Broadway. And I said, if you're going to open a musical, don't call it Titanic. At that, that particular year, the movie came out, and Rosie O'Donnell adopted that show as her own, so the show at least played successfully for a couple of years. Uh, I, for one, didn't think the show was great. I thought the music was absolutely fantastic. But anyway, I'm rambling on, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, then, of course, we have The Addams Family, which is opening sometime in the spring. That will have Nathan Lane and B.B. Newworth and Kevin Chamberlain as Festus. Uh, I don't see that failing whatsoever. Um, I see people rushing to see that show. 
Another show, which might be a might be a hit just because of the franchise involved, and then again, I'm not sure it's coming this spring, uh, but we're getting the sequel to Phantom of the Opera. That'll either be... And Michael Gibbo is giving me that, oh, no, look! <laughs> but uh, the franchise is so big, uh, I can't see anything, anything on Broadway opening with that title, The Phantom 2 or Love Never Dies, being a failure unless it's really, really bad. And very honestly, over the number, last number of years, uh, uh, Mr. Lloyd Webber hasn't done anything that's really, really good. Uh, so let's see what happens. Let's see if it happens this spring, this coming spring, or if it'll be held over till the fall. I know it's opening early 2010 in London. Uh, what happens along, along the lines of Broadway? I'm not sure. We're looking at a couple of play revivals also. Uh, once again, I, you can count this as a revival. Hamlet's coming back with Jude Law. I can't see just that name over the title failing. Uh, the last Hamlet I, I saw with, with Ray Fiennes, and he was great. And Hamlet, of course, is a great play. But I wanted to pull my teeth out of my mouth watching this play for over three hours. Uh, I couldn't wait till Rosencrantz and Guldenstern were indeed dead. Uh, and then we'll have a, a revival of uh, the mammoth play Oleana, uh, which will have uh, uh, Bill, Bill Pullman and Julia Stiles. Uh, and that's going to open at the uh, now uh, Muppet-infested Golden Theater. So let's see what happens. There's a, a lot of hope. Uh, I'm sure I've missed some things. Uh, when we come back uh, in the new season, uh, I'll get around to it, and uh, we'll have more to say. In any case, hope it's a good summer for everyone, and remember, keep on the positive side. And if, if you have any opinions or anything to say about what I talked about, you can email me at broadwaymarty at AOL.com. The Tenement Street Workshop is a relatively new artist collective here in New York City, and they're getting ready for a big benefit on July 11th. And we have got uh, the co-artistic directors, John McDonald and Nicholas Bonner, here to talk about both the benefit and uh, what Tenement Street is about and what they do. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? All right. Keep busy. Nice Fourth of July weekend. <laughs> <laughs> So, first off, I guess before, probably before the benefit, it's probably better to talk a little bit about what is uh, Tenement Street? What do you guys do? Yeah. Well, Tenement Street started after we did an, uh, an off-Broadway show called Lights and Music. Uh, out of that, it was self-produced uh, by a bunch of college-age students like myself, and we grew into a theater company, and right now we're working on getting a base together, getting some money together, and, uh, and hopefully producing shows in the future. So uh, what do you feel sets you aside from some of the other groups? What's your kind of unique angle as, as Tenement Street as an artist collective? I think the, uh, the unique aspect of us is that we're an artist collective. Is that, uh, I think a lot of theater companies in New York are, kind of have a hierarchical structure to them, and we try to, uh, to eliminate that. We try to give opportunities for everyone to get involved on a production level, on a stage management level, whatever, whatever level they want. And also, we have, uh, just by doing theater in the city uh, on all different levels, uh, 
over the last four or five years that we've all kind of been working together and collaborating, uh, we've developed a network of, uh, of a lot of different artists from anywhere from stage managers to directors to lighting designers to technical people, all under the age of 25. And it wasn't something that we went out and, you know, set out to do, but it is uh, kind of what we ended up with. Uh, so now we have this uh, this community that we can kind of draw on at any time of these young committed artists who are basically willing to work at a drop of a dime for, you know, uh, basically charity in the end because we're not in a position to be paying anybody right now. So, uh, you know, a lot of them are still students, but there are people who we've kind of, uh, would you say, handpicked in a way that, that you know, uh, that we can kind of pull on when needed. It wasn't sort of handpicked. I think most of the people who are involved in our organization right now are people who you know, offered up their services after seeing right. what we've done. It was I don't think it was our friends even who we asked. It was just people who came, saw the show, realized that you know this is a unique opportunity to get yeah. involved in the ground level of a of company like this. And since yeah, since we offered up ourselves as a production company, people just flock. Totally, and 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 the and the idea that uh, that that all I was trying to say was that the people that that we end up working with are are you know very uh, very on top of of what they're doing, and and just because you know uh, they are pot, you know as I said under the age of twenty five, it doesn't mean that you know that that they aren't as committed as any other you know person who. Uh, what young people aren't with. committed. Young people want to drink beer and get high, and you got you got. Where did you find these strange, committed young beings? That's kind of the beauty of it. That's a good question. We don't. That's that's the weird part. They just kind of fell into our lap, I no. guess. You know, I think it's I think it's less weird than than people would assume. Yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. guess because you know we did we did lights of music. Lights of music mm-hmm. was a totally grassroots thing. I mean, we were given some money by a producer, but essentially we were left to our own devices. Right. And it was like. So once once people came and saw the show, our friends came and saw the show, it was, oh, wow, okay, really? This is what you're doing? Yeah, and also, I mean, as, as you can kind of testify, like, yeah, young people want to probably go get drunk or, you know, stoned or do whatever they want to do. So when they see... Listen that, to that devil music. I know, right? That, <laughs> oh, that hip-hop bluegrass. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, when they see that there's a group of their peers who are, you know, still having fun, not like, it's not like we're going around in suit and ties or anything, but, you know, like, that are still out kind of doing our thing and at the same time producing, you know, these projects, you know, as of recent, it's been mainly theater, although we do want to branch out and focus a lot more on multimedia and some film and, uh, you know, some other kind of mediums, uh, that when they see that, you know, wow, these guys are our age and they're just doing this and, you know, of course... It's a lot of work, and, and we have, you know, a lot, some, some pretty major budgetary issues at this point in the road, but uh, to say the least. But, you know, we're still making it happen. And I think people of our age really, you know, respect that and, and when they see that, want to get involved. Uh, one thing I forgot to do is while I introduced you, I didn't give you a chance to introduce yourself so people can connect the name with the voice here if, really quick. if you could sure. just. I'm uh, Nick Bonner. <laughs> and I'm John McDonald. And Nick's got the dress shirt on, and John's got the jacket on. So I guess they're pooling their suits. Yeah, we, we decided to go with the, uh, we decided to go with the oversized blazer and the button down with the Nikes. Yeah, we got the Air Force ones as well in here. Okay. So they really need a fundraiser because they only got one suit. Please help so, us. And a dollar. So, so tell us about the fundraiser you got coming up on the 11th. 
Uh, we're doing a benefit on this roof in uh, Brooklyn. It's off. It's in East Williamsburg. It's off of the L train. Uh, and uh, it's at this space called Office Ops, uh, where they have this big performance rooftop as well as some other spaces. And the backdrop is the Manhattan skyline. And we've kind of put together these two one-act plays. Uh, they're original works that we actually bought down from uh, Festival of Independent Work at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going into my senior year there. And, uh, and one of the pieces is uh, called Rubble. It's a post-apocalyptic kind of post-9-11 piece with these two kids in a trash pile. It's very funny, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> and uh, the second piece is called Tales of Brave Ulysses, uh, where we put together this jamming band. These guys are great, especially this guitarist. He's, he's wonderful. And uh, they did this 40-minute rendition of the Cream song, Tales of Brave Ulysses. And we have uh, an ensemble of five very talented actors who basically act out the story of Odysseus coming home with no set. Uh, you know, one guy plays all the monsters. We build the ship on stage. Uh, so it's this Greek mythology meets rock and roll. Uh, and then we're also bringing in about, what would you say, four four musical guests. Yep. Um, what You know, one's a jazz group, one does an, uh, an acoustic set, uh, another guy's playing some folk songs. And that's not going to be uh, the focus per se, but, but I think that it'll really help set the tone for us. So we're offering a rooftop where you can come and see some awesome jam in theater. Uh, see some really cool music, and you know, I think there'll be some wine and beer up there too, if that would interest anybody. And pot? Well, uh, <laughs> not at this point. <laughs> I don't know. No. I feel like we're being pigeonholed. Here. <laughs> okay, give us a little space. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just, I'm just you know, I know, giving I know. you a hard time here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, as but the, the surely begs the question: as young producers going around trying to get taken seriously and produce stuff, what kind of what are your biggest roadblocks that you seem to run into? Just about everything. Um, <laughs> from, Literally. From talking, you know, I don't think... We were we went around for Lights and Music. We looked at like 50, 50 different theaters, and it was just me going around. I, you know, I don't dress really well, and uh, I'm not very presentable. He doesn't. He's and, not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's really it's really hard for them to, to be taken seriously. It's really hard. It's, everything's really hard. There's not an easy part about it. I mean, kids our age don't, don't have any money, so... Trying to petition your friends to give you a dollar is really difficult. I'd say the easiest part, though, if there is one, and and the part that keeps motivating us a lot is the willingness of, you know, and not to go over anything we already said, but the willingness of our peers to just kind of, like, get on board with us and and be super excited about whatever we want to work on. And that's, like, very, very encouraging. It is kind of the dichotomy. You know, when when you're younger, it's always easy to find people who are willing to work for free and do stuff. But it's hard to find the people who have money to actually help out with the financial end. Then when you get older, it's... Not ever easy to find money, but it's it's at that point it starts getting harder to find people who are like, yeah, I'll do it for free, <laughs> and so you have to raise more money. Um, <laughs> right. But that said, you still do need some cash, you know, even still to you know get some of these events going. What have you found to be the best sources as a, as young producers? What are your best connects ins to find those people willing to donate? Grandparents, our day job. <laughs> no, we 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 yeah, we literally have paid um, for parts of lights and music, but but especially this tene- uh, tenement street benefit that we're doing on July 11th, uh, this actually upcoming Saturday. We've paid for it all out of our pockets, which I know is probably very uh, some would say stupid thing to do, but I, we think it's worth it. I mean, we're we're totally behind the project and behind you know um, our f- potential and uh, the future of our. Uh, of our company, and we are, are committed to the extent where we have pretty much emptied out our bank accounts 
to uh, kind of put this uh, put this piece up. So uh, hopefully we won't lose too much money. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed. So, where can people go to find out more information about the the Tenement Street workshop? Well, our tickets are on sale at smarttix.com, um, and that's the place to find all the info. That's our, that has links to our event page and uh, our websites and, and all that good stuff. So, so if you go to smarttix.com and search for Tenement Street, uh, our benefit will come up, and there's a link to uh, to some more descriptive pages there. Uh, we also, if you go on Facebook and uh, type in Tenement Street, uh, there is an event page, uh, which I think a, we have, what, a couple thousand members of that event page right now. So that shouldn't be hard to find, and that has all the details as well. And people shouldn't be scared by the fact there's a couple thousand people on your event page, because that means like five people are coming from Facebook. I'd say we're like, <laughs> event pages are the most unreliable source of getting the message out. <laughs> You're exactly right. We, we've invited 2,000 people, and I think I think we're getting two two or three to come as of this point. Maybe if we're lucky. If we're lucky. Now it's, it's, so your, your your support is new. Do you have a website for your uh, company? Under construction. Under construction. We're very new. <laughs> <laughs> so again, it's the July 11th. What day is that? I'm not on my calendar for it. That's a Saturday. It's yes. Saturday. So spend your night on a rooftop in the Manhattan skyline with Tenement Street. Help them raise up some cash. And well, since you don't have a website yet, is there for we? I think we have a lot of young listeners who don't all just drink beer and smoke pot. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were wanting to get involved with your company, where who should they contact? Yeah, you or? can contact uh, members at lightsandmusictheplay.com is the best way to get a hold of us. Yeah, and and one of our ultimate goals when we have the website up, which should be very soon, uh, is that we will have uh, a platform for people to come on the website, and if you have new work that that you are interested in doing but you don't quite know, you don't quite have a way to to put it up uh, in New York, uh, we uh, are very interested in uh, giving, you know, young artists and people of all ages uh, the opportunity to be heard. So if you have a project in mind, please come on our website when it's up, which will be very soon. Uh, and uh, and give us a little proposal because we love to you know expand our network and work with whoever's out there. And I'm guessing you have a little need beyond that. Like if anybody wants to do lights, sets, build, course, for us, help course. out, mail out invites to the press, whatnot. I'm always looking for people. Yeah, <laughs> always. Yeah, open it up. But it's a collective, so we're looking for everybody and anybody. And membership is open to all, and we hope everybody will uh, will want to get on board with us. Okay, so is there some place, somebody they can email specifically since the website isn't done? Uh, members at lightsandmusictheplay.com. Okay. The, the and they should. If you're interested in getting involved, definitely go to the benefit. Get to know the people. It, al- it always, you know, I, I was always amazed, you know, people who want to get involved with something. I used to run a theater in Great Falls. And they, mm-hmm. Here, will you put up my play? And I'm like, I've never seen you even at the theater. And you know what? <laughs> I may own the theater, but I'm at the box office every night. I know you're not here. So <laughs> simple things like that really make yeah. an impression. So, all right. Well, uh, Tenement Street uh, Workshop, John McDonald and Nicholas Bonner, thanks so much for dropping by and best of luck as you continue building your company. Thanks so much. Listening room. 
Drinkalicious the Musical was originally produced by the Vital Theatre Production Company in New York City in March of 2007, and they have just released their cast recording on Shikaboom Records. Uh, the book is by Victoria Can and Elizabeth Can, who also contributed the lyrics, and the music and lyrics are by John Greger. Now, if you're wondering why so long till the cast album so much, um, I'm not positive, but I bet this has a lot to do with the weird equity regulations, and I won't go into too much depth except for to say that if you're not off-Broadway, Equity doesn't really, doesn't really want you recording a cast album. So in that case, congratulations uh, to those guys for getting their cast album together. And we're going to play a track from Pinkalicious the Musical. This is called Buzz Off, and you can find Pinkalicious on Amazon, at the Shikaboom website, and on iTunes. What's that noise? <gasps> There's a bumblebee on my nose. Take you under my wings and carry you away Cause flowers like you Don't come around each and every day Chirp, buzz, roo, pop, pop, chirp, chirp We find a flower And it's the prettiest, pinkest flower I've ever seen Buzz off, buzz off, buzz off Do-a, 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 do-a Again, that was Buzz Off from Pinkalicious the Musical. Again, you can find that on iTunes, Amazon, or at the Shikaboom website. Curtain Call. Well, that wraps up our season finale for Broadway Bullet, Volume 317. We're going to be back on September 10th. A lot of great stuff. Probably going to be starting our... uh, coverage for the New York Musical Theater Festival then, and it looks like we're also going to have the next installment in our Broadway Abridged segment, this time uh, 
tearing up West Side Story, so you'll want to make sure to get back. And we'll announce the winners uh, for everybody who uh, is entering in a drawing to win a, fa, a free CD, signed CD, from um, the project that I'm going to be working on for the Broadway uh, BMI Musical Theater Workshop. So again, if you'd like to enter that, just email info at broadwaybullet.com and let me know uh, how long you've been listening to Broadway Bullet and what your favorite parts of the show are. And until September 10th, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and thanks for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet. The hairs went up on the back of my neck. So, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And if that isn't enough, we've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments, even private loans, if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, Go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.